0: Am I, you know, not planning enough so that every day it feels like I'm holding on to the back of a train rather than driving it?
1: Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
2: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience.
1: My name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe interviewing Eric Partaker. Eric is a CEO, mentor, author and peak performance expert. He has been named CEO of the Year at the 2019 Business Excellence Awards, one of the top 30 entrepreneurs in the UK, 35 and under by Startups Magazine and among Britain's most disruptive entrepreneurs by The Telegraph. Eric has advised Fortune 50 CEOs while at McKinsey helped build Skype's multi-billion dollar success story and has founded several businesses. His work has been featured on over seven major TV stations in The Wall Street Journal and The Economist. He has also appeared as a guest judge on The Apprentice with Lord Alan Sugar. Eric is certified as a peak performance coach and has also completed a coaching certification and apprenticeship with Professor B.J. Fogg, who leads Stanford University's Behaviour Design Lab. He continues to research evidence-based studies in psychology, neuroscience, habit change, leadership and peak performance. In 2020, Eric released his new book, The Three Alarms, a simple system to transform your health, wealth and relationships forever. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Eric Partaker of ericpartaker.com.
2: Welcome, Eric. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, very excited to be here. And thanks to uh, to all those listening for your time. I appreciate that, too.
2: Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it.
0: Yes. So um, my name is Eric Partaker. I work as a peak performance um, coach, mostly for founders and CEOs um, of businesses, typically between about $1 and $10 in sales, um, mostly in the tech industry, but um, also outside of that, I live in London um, with my wife, um, uh, who's from Brazil. And I have two boys, a 15-year-old and a seven-year-old. And um, yeah, I've just done a variety of things uh, throughout life, Um, was a consultant with McKinsey and Company for a while, helped build up Skype in its early years before we sold it to eBay. Uh, built a chain of Mexican restaurants in London, and um, now focus on peak performance.
2: Wow, even just those two things, Skype and Mexican restaurants, (laughs) intrigue (laughs) me.
0: Exactly. It's like, it's like, you you, you know, anybody listening is like, is he just reading off random things right now? (laughs)
2: Has he got his, his bio muddled up with someone else's on LinkedIn and he's reading the two together? <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like, that, that's not a bio. That's like a Frankenstein bio.
2: So my next question is pretty much always, how did you get to do what you got to do? And I guess that's partly what we've um, started to flippantly talk about. And uh, and yeah, so, you know, the, the peak performance thing intrigues me um i'm wondering where that's come from too um but i, I think we need to go back further than that and find out but <laughs> the, the link between those two those two jobs
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so so um so i i grew up so i'm half norwegian half american um uh from the age of about five i grew up in chicago and um if you grow up in Chicago, at the time I was growing up there, it had the second largest population of Mexicans. So to grow up in Chicago and not have a lot of Mexican friends and loving Mexican food is kind of abnormal. So um, so it's kind of in my blood, the, the Mexican food side of things, you know, from that point. And um, um, at one point, uh, you know, in life, I, I ended up um, moving uh, back to Norway. And um, when I was in Norway, um, I started using, Uh, Skype, given its Scandinavian roots, you know, much earlier than than most people. And when I moved down to London, I kept my eye on the company and um, and then just knocked on the door. um, And uh, there were about 30 or so people at the time and joined. And yeah, it was just an absolute rocket ship of a journey. We grew from 30 or so people to about 500, um, sold to eBay for about $4 billion. And after Skype, I was sat on my sofa thinking, okay, well, what should I do next? And that was literally when, uh, such a simple, simple next step. I just thought, well, when, when in life did work not feel like work? When was it, you know, just like pure fun. And I thought well, it was when I was working in the restaurant industry, um, which I did, uh, when I was in university in Chicago, um, and, and I thought, okay, well, maybe I should look. To do something you know in the restaurant space and i was missing mexican food having grown up on it in chicago i looked around saw that there was nothing really available and uh, put all that together Um, asked um, the guy that i work with uh, together at at skype if what he thought about you know uh, starting a mexican restaurant chain and we were both like yeah thumbs up let's do it and so that's how that started (laughs)
2: like you do i love the fact that you you did actually think about you know a time when you loved what you were doing and 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 then actually brought that into the next step it's, it's something a lot of people would say was a you know a brilliant thing to do but not many people w- would do particularly when it was so diverse to what you'd been doing
0: yeah i think um <clears throat> you know i i've found that there's always been for 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 every step of my journey there was like a, a very strong force or you know a very strong reason why I ended up doing that that next thing. And the shift from you know Skype to Mexican food was very much about going back into my past and thinking um, um, what was it that I most enjoyed. Um, it hasn't been the only you know factor that I've used to, to make my, my um, career decisions. You know, My very first job was with McKinsey & Company as a consultant, and that was driven by wanting to be challenged. You know, I knew that um, that environment uh, you know, is very, um, you know it's a meritocracy, they really push you, um, you learn a lot, and, uh, and I really wanted that. And so that wasn't you know, driven by anything other than wanting to get into an environment where I would be really challenged, really, really pushed. And, uh, and then this most recent foray into um, peak performance, you know, coaching, that's been driven by a different factor, which is a desire to, um, you know, help, help, help other people, you know, unlock their full potential, which was linked back to me having, you know, wanted to do this for, for all of my career. So very much like a, an external Um, you know, manifestation of something that's always been kind of deep, deep within me. Ever since I came across Abraham Maslow's quote that he estimated only 2% of people operate at their full potential, I thought, gosh, okay, I want to join the 2% club.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So when you said peak performance, my initial thought went to sport. Is that something that's been in there in the past and that drove it too, or is that just my prejudices, (laughs) prejudices, <laughs> or not, whatever the opposite is my positive prejudices on peak performance being connected in that way.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really think of it that way. Although there's a lot that I take from from sports and yeah. into my coaching. Um, so for example, if you want to achieve peak per, peak performance in sports, you have to look at not just what's going on on the field, but what's going on off the field as well. Yeah. And I certainly take that holistic approach to the coaching that I do. But I, I think of peak performance is simply a path to reaching that 2% club, to reaching, you know, to becoming all that you're capable of being, mm-hmm. um, you know, closing the gap, you know, between your current and, and best self. And and there's lots of different routes and paths. You know, you could do it through spirituality. You could uh, do it a million different ways. But for me, I think a peak performance is simply operating at your, you know, highest level mm-hmm. in the areas of life that matter most. So across the health front, across, you know, the wealth front and the home front.
2: Yes. Yeah. So how did that transition happen? So, you know, when, when we last looked at your uh, corporate um, career, you were running a, uh, a series of Mexican restaurants. <laughs> and, and now you're coaching people around peak performance. What, what was that transition like? How did you go about
0: Chain. So the culture, yeah, the culture that I had built at the Mexican restaurant chain was mm-hmm. all about helping people um, reach their full potential. So right. really the the, the the coaching ended up being an external kind of, you know, an, an export of the culture that I had been building over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the part of the business, which I really enjoyed, you know, the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so the coaching, you know, mentoring for me ends up being, uh, taking the part that I had the most fun with in my kind of previous life, and then doing that, you know, 100% you know full time, and and that's just really blossomed over the last um, you know year or two. Uh, it's it's myself in the business, um, you know, my wife, and we have um, a, a guy who runs all the operations, um, you know, within the within the business. Um, creative person who helps us do the you know the video, audio, content production. Um, and a few you know, different agencies depending on what the business function is that that we use for support or specialist advice in different areas. So yeah, it's really turned into um, um, you know a big thing in a short space of time um, but much more fulfilling since I'm able to focus on the exact thing that I most you know enjoyed in um, in that previous uh, burrito and taco life.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. I just want to come back to that again the the whole thing about, sort of picking the things that you enjoy and you're good at? Because so many people sort of want to do that and, 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 you know, know that that or think that that ought to be what they do. But so many people don't actually do it. Was there an inspiration? You talked about the quote, but, you know, growing up or did, did you see something? What, what made you know all the way through that that was so important to find that thing that you really enjoyed and to go after that?
0: To be honest, I I I didn't know it all the way through. Um, I've just been, um, I've I've, you know, my son, one one of my boys, uh, the the fifteen year old. He he asked me at one point, you know, how how did you figure out what you what what, you know what you wanted to do and and um, you know how did you think that through and um, um, and. You know what? 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 What should I be doing? And and I just said to him, you, know, you can literally just do whatever you want as long as you just work hard enough and just connect the dots and you know just connect to the people who have the expertise or can give you the training that you need to excel. So I can't really say that I've you know always wanted to do this. I think that the deep, the underlying motivation though, the common thread throughout all of those things from the consulting to Skype to the restaurant chain to the coaching now has been this obsession with wanting to reach my, 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 my fullest potential. And that probably is driven mostly by fear and feeling that I was far from it, you know, growing up. So when I was growing up, I always really you know, tried very, very hard academically to, to get to the very top of the class. And I think at best, you know, in a very small class, I managed to get to like the 10th position, but you know, couldn't break really past that point. Um, I remember with the basketball team, um, practiced so hard to get on the team and got on the team, but never played a game. Uh, I remember in baseball, um, being a, a very good fielder, but could never hit the ball. Um, so I always kind of felt like you know, home of the second best <laughs> <laughs> growing up. And um, and I think probably that is at the root of it all, which is yeah. um a desire to, you know, if you look at the definition of world class, you know, by definition it means of and amongst, of or amongst the best. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've always wanted that feeling, right? Of being of or amongst the best. And um yeah, probably similar to an Olympic athlete. You know, well, why do they want to win a gold medal or take a shot at it? Because they they want to, you know, they they have that competitive spirit. They want to be oven amongst the best. And yeah. um, same for me.
2: I wonder if as well, it's when when you get out into the sort of big wide world, there's just more flexibility with that. And that's why you found those things. So, you know, when you're at school, it is about, you know, being top of the class or or being the best sportsman and you know or the best musician and uh, or the most popular there's probably only about four things (laughs) that that Mm -hmm. we think we need to be when we're at school but once we're out in the sort of wider world that those opportunities are there maybe maybe having that sort of drive opens you up to all sorts of possibilities because that gives you that opportunity it's a i'm sort of waffling in in my thoughts
0: i I, I agree with you i think You know, I think having that desire to reach your full potential definitely does open up a world of possibilities because there's so many different avenues you you pursue to do that. Yes. And and although all the paths can be different, there is a commonality across them all, which is, you know, you have to find within whatever industry that you're in or line of work, if you want to achieve mastery within that industry or reach your full potential, you have to really zero in on, you know, what's the 80, 20, like what are the 20% of the things that you could focus on from a skill development or, um, uh, you know, from a, a business building point of view that will create 80%, you know, the benefits that you're seeking really, really zero in on that, carve that time into your calendar to, to work on those things. Mm. And the thing for me that I've always done, no matter what, um, you know, position I was in or where I was in my career is just constantly reaching out to others, um, specialists, experts, others who have kind of gone before you or are doing, you know, or, or operating at a level that you aspire to be at and just trying to just download as much of that wisdom as possible and then um, and then just apply it as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. if you just yeah, you know, when I was growing up, it was like knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is, isn't power anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> no
2: that's anything in second.
0: Yeah, translating knowledge into action. So, so you know, just applying it. But yeah, I think it it really does open up a world of possibilities. Um, yeah. You know, for for mastery, if you will.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, what do your days look like? How do you work with your clients? And I mean, i I've been asking that for months now, and everyone's like, "Well, I'm in my home." <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's about you know the, the, the first fifty percent of it um but you know what 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 would it look like if we weren't in lockdown and what what does it look like now?
0: um so I used to meet clients on occasion in person um before lockdown, but as a result of lockdown, um, obviously I'm not doing that, and furthermore, I will never return to doing that uh-huh. um, so you know even if that means having to lose a current client or not take on a new that's fine yes um it's um what this is all highlighted to me is just how incredibly inefficient it is to spend two hours to go meet someone for one hour say you know one hour each way and and i you know you got one life to live here and i and and time is the only thing that you don't get back Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've just not, you know, the lockdown has just put me in a position where I am not prepared to sacrifice that time anymore. And I totally get the, well, isn't there something to have, um, you know, those in-person connections and yeah, I get that. And, um, and I've just chosen that going forward, I'll prioritize where I want in-person connections and that's with my family, um, and friends and, um, and professionally, I'll, I'll keep it uh, online, uh, which also works very nicely with uh, where we're moving to next, because um, uh, we'll be heading over to uh, Lisbon, Portugal soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that will be home in the not too distant future.
2: Ah, yes. And that, from a, um, a Brazilian language point of view, <laughs> it all fits together nicely.
0: <laughs> it, all, it all fits together just perfectly, yes. It so will all work out fine on the language front.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say about the, you know, not meeting in, in person. It's something that I have done because, you know, you have to, or you did have to. Um, and, and I said at the beginning of lockdown, oh, you know, people are finally where I want them to be. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're online, which is what I would have always preferred. It'd be interesting to see how many choices we have to make afterwards as you say to you know where we potentially lose opportunities because we're not prepared to to go back to you know that sort of in in person thing um uh, you know lots of people I think all have the same sort of view of this is a new world and and this is the way I'm going to work moving forward and I know I can do that but I think there's quite a chunk of people who, who actually are waiting to to have those opportunities again because they think that's the only way or the best way and you know, I don't, I I agree with you. I don't think it is the best way in lots of cases, particularly from a time management point of view, productivity point of view.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, I think there's plenty of fish in the sea. So for those who say no, there'll be plenty who say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, out, out, outside of, you know, that at a, at a high level in terms of like how I actually work with clients, you know, I'll typically do a, um, you know, a kickoff session for a few hours all online again, as, as we've said, and then thereafter, um, super simple. I just do, you know, 50 minute sessions, um, every two weeks and, um, um, and then continue on, you know, with the coaching relationship, as long as, you know, it's, uh, valuable for both sides. Right. And, um, um, and so super simple like that. And then the other thing I've, I've done recently is I've started to, turn my coaching into a product and um so i turned the peak performance side of it rather than um you know the the uh the business coaching side of it into a a self-study program and um so that's that's proving yeah that's very exciting and interesting because it will allow us to to bring a lot of scale to the whole thing yeah. um, so we're looking at you know expanding in that way too
2: so across all of that, do you think you, you mentioned that you sort of specialise in in the sort of more um, tech world? Do you think all of that sort of fits with that, helps that anyway? I, I would I would imagine sort of tech founders and tech organisations are more online. They're more obviously oh yeah they're, yeah they're, I they're mean, more it's... up for online coaching. They're they're they um, they're more up for a, a different way of things because that's the nature of their business.
0: Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're they're used to working in remote environments. They're probably um, we're already doing it to some degree before yeah. lockdown. So yeah. they they definitely are, you know, of the of the type that is looking for uh, you know efficient <laughs> execution on the on the coaching front. So that that's maybe um, well in lockdown it kind of doesn't matter because it has to be that way. But I guess that might make it you know, easier to maintain things that way going forward. But again, I think that there's so many people out there um, that I can't really see it being an issue for anyone because you can always find people who would be willing to, um, you know, be coached online.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was interviewing somebody recently who talked about, um, in fact, I can't even remember who it was or what the story was, but it was something like... um, trauma counselling or, or that sort of thing. And the, and the people are actually enjoying it online more because they don't have to leave their house and, and, and sort of get out of their comfortable place in order to have that sort of treatment, which in the past they would have had to have done. They would have had to have gone, you know, a, half an hour down the road into a strange building and everything else. And actually the, the familiarity of having that help in their own home albeit via Zoom or whatever, was actually helping them. And I, those sorts of things I don't think anyone would have ever particularly thought of or, or done something with um, but for this situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, also conflict situations um, where you're trying to resolve conflict between people. I've had some experiences where it, it feels like it's been a lot easier to do online mm-hmm. than if everyone were in the same room and, um, um yeah. So I think, um, I think the distance oddly in certain situations can really help.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you manage what you need to get done? Are you very techie or are you, are you one of my pen and paper people, which like 99% of my guests are But like, come on, you're in a tech world. You, you must do tech.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I use, um, uh, we use a sauna for yep. our um, project management and that's, Uh, Excellent for that. Yes. Um, We're, you know, big into using, you know, Google Docs and Google Sheets to keep everything shareable um, between team members. Um, And uh, outside of that, though, um, I mean, I used to religiously use a written kind of planner all the time.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. But (laughs) here's the thing. I used it so much that I ended up getting uh, my carpal tunnel in my hand oh. uh, or wrist or, you know, just was not able to write. And so I, I actually had to stop writing in the planner. Yeah. And, um, and that's been um, really enlightening because, again, from, you know, I used the term 80-20 before, from an 80-20 point of view, it's like 20% of the effort for, uh, you know, 80% of the benefit so when I was using that planner, it was like 100% of effort for 100% benefit. So it's almost like allowing the perfectionist in me to, you know, have full reign.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and now, because, you know, I'm quite limited and want to avoid writing while my hand heals, you know, I'm basically just using my calendar and scheduling anything that I want to do as an appointment with myself in my calendar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and um, And that's... That's been super helpful, super enlightening. Um, my planning is so much, uh, you know, it happens so much more quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm achieving um, even more than I was in the past because I'm spending less time um, planning and more time doing. And so I'm still doing the planning, but it's yeah. just more action oriented. Yes. Um, yeah. than kind of overthinking.
2: Yes, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm just chuckling because I I was talking recently about how one of my previous um, team used used to tell me that if I was as good at doing the job as I was at planning stuff, <laughs> I'd be really good. And I've <laughs> always chosen to see that as a you know a compliment disguised as some feedback. But um, I'm I still don't know whether she actually was <laughs> actually it was a big big criticism. But um, but yeah, you can get tied up in organizing and planning and having everything color coded and all that sort of stuff and actually achieve nothing can you
0: <laughs> oh so so much and um and you know if you can just yeah it's all about action at yes. the at the end of the day I mean you need a little bit of planning and a lot of action
2: yes yeah it's interesting I am um, one of the things I used to do when I was going into London a lot and doing other things was I i would put on my um I used to doist as my um, to-do list, and I'd, I'd tag stuff by whether I was going to do it on my phone or my iPad or my laptop um, because I'd have them for different reasons. So, um, you know, obviously my phone was always with me and if I was on the train, it would be easier to use my phone and I, my laptop would tend to be when I was at home or whatever. And I've just realized recently that those are really not necessary tags anymore because because I'm at home all the time and my MacBook's quite small. Um, I could just use that pretty much for all of it. <laughs> there's none of this you know oh I'm here I've only got my phone available what can I do on my phone stuff I now you know can lazily say well I'll just do it all on my laptop anyway because I'm never (laughs) never away from it now which is odd how it's changed you know how I organize myself because of the fact that I just don't leave the house with my equipment anymore
0: (laughs) yeah and yeah and it's I, I think whatever whatever the simplest way is for people to know what the top 3 things that they're doing on a daily basis and mm-hmm. when you're going to do them like that's that for me is like the you know the simplest way to think about your to-do list or planning or whether or not you need tech and to what degree you should be using tech or writing things down mm-hmm. um, you just try to keep it super super simple
2: yeah yeah so that's a, that's a good one your sort of top 3 uh, tasks what other tips have you got for us for peak performance this <laughs> this is like the three minute version
0: (laughs) yeah so okay so i would suggest um so if you want to see a big change in your productivity then i would design three routines into your day so um first is evening routine so start in the evening because a productive day actually begins the night before rather than the morning of so it um, starts with a, you know, a good night's sleep. So the key thing there is have a digital sunset. So one hour before um, you go to bed, such that you can get eight hours of sleep, just yep. shut off all the electronics. Because any electronic light going into your eyes in that hour before bed will lower your melatonin production by about 50%, which will inhibit your ability to sleep a full eight hours or if you do it as restoratively as you should and then that has a knock-on effect on your productivity. So yeah, start with an evening routine and specifically a digital sunset, an hour before bed, maybe set it up as an alarm on your phone. When that alarm goes off, um, shut off all the electronics, including your phone, get an old school alarm clock from Amazon rather than use your phone to wake you up. So that's the evening routine. Then in the morning, I would um, just focus on being uh, creative before reactive. So um, instead of starting your day in your inbox or on social media or browsing the news or going into Slack or whatever other apps you use for the first hour of the day, just work on um, one of your top three, you know, creative output kind of tasks for the day. Yeah, And, And then the last routine would be a workday routine. And the simplest thing I'd recommend there is try dividing your day up into maker versus manager time. So um, don't schedule any meetings in the morning. Instead, keep all of your meetings internal and external clustered in the afternoons. Um, And while your energy and your focus is typically at its highest in the morning, keep that free to work on all the things that you know you should be doing from uh, you know, the perspective of working on the business rather than in it, but that you aren't getting enough time to do. If you just keep your mornings free like that, suddenly yeah. you have all the time to do it.
2: I mm, really like that one. I I corral all my meetings into the afternoons. Mind you, because I'm a night bird, I don't have much of the morning.
0: <laughs> right, okay. But
2: I do a lot of mine at ridiculous times at night, which uh, traumatizes people. I've got a student in, in uh, Australia who... Uh, I'm on WhatsApp with him and he'll quite often send me a message and I'll reply. And then his next reply is loads of like shocked faces going, why are you still awake? Go to bed. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: he doesn't get that actually I'm wide awake and I won't be getting up till 10 o'clock the next day. So it'll be fine. <laughs> He's an early person, so he can't quite get his head around that. But, um,
0: so what, so what, what's, what's like a typical late night for you then? How late might you stay up?
2: Uh, I probably don't get to bed before two and then I often read so quite often it might be even later than that which goes against all of the stuff about quality of sleep before 12 and everything else but uh, I, I get my sleep I just don't get up in the morning it's a bit odd in our house my my daughter's at school at eight forty five in the dining room my husband starts work at nine and I'm hopefully still asleep at that stage <laughs> and actually you know for all the sort of whys and wherefores about lockdown uh it's it's really helped because quite often when she goes to school, they actually wake me up at 8.30 because I'm a light sleeper. And then that, you know, knocks the whole thing out, obviously, because I've had, you know, really short amount of sleep at that stage. So actually for us, this is working quite well because they're quite good at creeping downstairs when they haven't got to leave the house.
0: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And, and that's, you know, so whatever, I think that's the important thing too, is that people realize that there is no, you know there isn't the way there's lots of ways and you gotta collect your own data try and try them out experiment yeah. see what works for you and if that works for you then that's great right so yeah
2: that's, yeah, that's
0: um you know I, I i can definitely relate too because sometimes i have found that like some of my best periods of reading have come when i've gotten into this like night owl phase yeah, and and you know, because if, if if you start start reading something you know good, and if you, you you might you could tear through a book between like midnight and three a.m. You know.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well. You what you're saying about sort of that that whole intentionality. You know, of, of picking those those times and knowing them, because you know, for me, I have to be really aware of the things that sort of detract and and add to. My planning so you know at the moment I've I've been reading a a, a sort of fiction book series and I had to have a good stern talking to myself (laughs) to not read it when I go to bed because then I can't go to sleep because I want to keep reading and then I end up staying up too late um so I've been you know saying to myself right I'm going to read a business book because I know I can only manage normally one chapter (laughs) and then I'm sleepy enough (laughs) to go to sleep um and you know, I, I, you know, your routines, changing your routines to, to 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 drive you to do the things that you want to do, to you know, that to reinforce that is so important, I think. And and being aware and changing them when they're not working any longer is really key as well.
0: Yeah, totally agree. It's you, you shouldn't be wed to one thing and just just try things out, see what works, and mm. keep the core stuff that is working.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's that sort of rule of three you gave you know your evening routine and morning routine and your middle of the day routine you know job done
0: <laughs> yeah exactly boom done efficient peak performance
2: <laughs> See, it's easy i don't know why people think that oh, there's a problem with getting things done it's it's just there
0: <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly.
2: So what about learning and improving yourself um i'm sure you do lots of that what sort of um, resources do you use for that how do you make that happen
0: Uh, My number one thing is just reading. So um, I uh, constantly keep an eye out for new and interesting books. Um, I read regularly throughout the week. Um, I read paper books. Uh, I'm like an underliner and a, you know, write notes in the margin sort of person. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, the other thing I have a habit of doing is that as I'm reading something, if I think something's interesting and I want to like apply it, then I'll I'll make a note of it and turn it into a to do and and actually do whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the best way to learn is to actually apply whatever you're reading and um, and see what happens. Um, so so that's that's one thing is just is uh, reading. The other thing that I try to do is um, to share things. Um, you know with others social media in conversation you know the act of sharing you end up getting a two for one in that um, sharing for example versus summarizing something um, you know, you're going to get a 90 a 90 percent uh, versus like a 10 percent on average retention um, when you share or teach something to someone else so that's going to improve the learning for you time you know I, when I I say a two for one, you're helping someone else at the same time. So you could do it purely selfishly just for yourself so that you're actually, you know, learning more, but you'll also be helping someone else at the same time. So yeah, so reading and then just trying to share, you know, slash teach what I'm learning to others. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just moving to the last couple of questions. And firstly, what about those days where it goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those days?
0: Well, um, I expect them to happen and for them to happen regularly. That's point one. Yeah. Um you know, the the number of days out of three, six, five that go to plan for me in a year, I don't know, maybe five. Um <laughs> yeah. a day the the norm is a day not going to plan. I don't mean like a completely off plan, like I, you know, blew a tire and the car flipped on its roof. Um <laughs> you know, but it's like small things and Uh, your mood's not even, you know, as you had planned it to be. So I just expect that to be the norm, things not going to plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they're seriously off, then uh, I often, you know, just look to the fundamentals. So if the day was seriously off, so where was I seriously off? Was it my sleep? Have I not been exercising as much as I should be lately? Um, Am I eating poorly? Am I, you know, not, planning enough so that every day feels like I'm holding on to the back of a train rather than driving it um so um yeah I would just say I expect it and um and when when it does go wrong I look back to kind of like the core fundamentals for you know reasons why
2: mm-hmm. I love that metaphor of the train I think we could all identify with that
0: <laughs> yeah I, I mean, and you could picture yourself on the back right your hair is just blowing in the wind
2: (laughs) yeah I was there I can imagine that yeah (laughs) brilliant, lovely and what about those days where you get to live more and that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you
0: um I'd say there's two types so one is it's just like a pure day off um and it happens just because you choose it or perhaps it chooses you (laughs) In mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form, but you know, you're just able to just sit back and not worry about anything, and and read a little, or watch something on TV, or go out for a walk, or you know. So you get this like random little gift that happens. Those those are those are quite nice. And then um, the other time is when I'm in that pure kind of creative mode, and I'm able to kind of you know build or make something. Um, not having to do a lot of the admin kind of things. So, um,
2: yeah.
0: those, those days are quite special too.
2: Yeah, lovely. So, thank you, Eric. It's been so good talking to you today. I really enjoyed it. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I've written a book recently. And so, um, if you'd like to go into much greater depth um, on peak performance, on realizing your full potential, some of the concepts that I've discussed here, um, as a thank you for listening up to this point. How did I know that you're listening up to this point? Magic, huh? So as a thank you for listening up to this point, if you head over to my website, you can get a free digital copy of my new book, The Three Alarms, which has achieved uh, bestseller status on Amazon. And that's just at Eric, part- Eric with a C, partaker.com. Um, and that's also the best way to get in touch too.
2: Lovely. Thank you. Thanks for your time today.
0: Thank you. All right.
2: All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 210, then you'll find them there. And this week I'd like to talk to you about content marketing. The first thing we talked about at the Gold Calm Call this week was about what content marketing is and I talked about how many years ago, (laughs) back in the day, back in the early days of uh, websites, blogging, social media, a company called HubSpot I think coined the phrase inbound marketing and that was quite a new concept differing from usual marketing where you'd go out and sort of advertise and put yourself in front of people and tell them what you were doing if you like. It was a new way of doing that by actually creating really useful content and learning to draw people in to demonstrate your expertise so that then they would ask you for help with whatever it is that you have just demonstrated that you're able to do for them. So inbound marketing came along when blogging started to become really popular and then social media came about and I guess the rest is history. So content marketing for me is all about creating content in whatever form that attracts, informs and teaches your audience, as well as showcasing you and your knowledge and experience. And I think the key to doing it is, well, there's two things, I think. Firstly, it's about finding the format that suits you or the formats, maybe more than one (laughs) that suits you and enables you to consistently create that content, as well as suiting your potential audience so you've got to get that combination of the both but I think if you don't find content that you enjoy making and creating then it's really hard to keep doing that consistently you might do it really well for a number of weeks or months but if it's something that you don't really enjoy and you're not really very good at and doesn't really sort of float your boat then it's actually really hard to keep it going and the other point is that With content marketing, it's really helpful if you can repurpose your content. So that's where you create one piece of content and then you turn it into other formats so that you're not constantly creating new content and having to come up with new ideas. So, for example, you could record a video and then transcribe it and turn it into a blog post. You could chop that up into smaller sections to post on social media. You could use it in your newsletter and so on. And again that's another way of enabling you to consistently publish and create content for your audience without it becoming too onerous for you and this is a good example in that i set a theme for my month a topic for each week at my member call on a monday we talk about that topic i then transcribe it i have some content uh, for them which is the notes that i make from the transcription and also the video of the call and that goes into my membership site. And then I record my outro for my podcast the thing that you're listening to now using the notes from that. And then I also put something into my newsletter that relates to that content as well. So I've taken one piece of content, in fact one idea and turned it into a number of pieces of content. And I can do that every week fairly easily because there's a process, there's a shape, there's a consistent way of creating that built into this process that I've created. And then the last tip, I think, is to make sure that when you are creating content, that you do always have a clear call to action. So people take that content, they get find some use from it. They are um, impressed with your knowledge and your experience and your abilities around that particular piece of content that you've created and then if they want to take the next step and they want to find out more about you or get in contact with you there is a way for them to do that so it would be remiss of me not to mention now my membership site if you want to find out more about it if you want to be on these gold calls that we have on a monday where we take the topic and we talk around the subject i share thoughts and ideas and tips and strategies other people share their experiences and then people can take that information away and use it in their own businesses. Uh, If you want to find out more about a membership where there's courses and there's materials that you can download, there's templates, there's checklists. There's lots of information that you can use for whatever it is you are looking to do at that time, including in this case, lots of content marketing materials like content marketing planners and a content upgrade checklist and a whole series of blog templates and so on, then please go to to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and you can find out more about the membership there. And if you use the code, please let me in, then you can get the first month free. Again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 210. And we look forward to speaking to you next week.
0: Use your power to live more.